Good morning. As we gather today, uh, hear these words uh, in this song that we'll be playing here. Let me that Strength in 
Good morning, and welcome to those of you that are here in person, and welcome to you that are online as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as we continue in worship, we're going to be hearing these words here from Ephesians as we uh, light our Advent. Okay. On the second Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of peace, remembering the words from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 24. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself is our chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
Good morning. It's really good to see you all here um, on this particular Sunday, this second Sunday of Advent as we gather for worship. This morning, we're pleased to have um, with us, um, before we go to prayer, um, Pastor J.B. Whirlin. JB and his his wife Yvonne. JB is um, a candidate for a campus pastor position here serving this community. So after the service, we will take about a five minute break. I just want to let you know there's some refreshments in the back, um, bottled water and some granola bars. And then we'll come back together for a town hall meeting following um, the service. And so if you are here with us or if you're watching live stream, you'll be welcome to join us. And you can text any questions you have um, to 616-805. Nine five four four. I never thought I'd be asking for text messages during a uh, town hall meeting. So kind of the strange world that we live in. Also, um, this year, unfortunately, Aldea Coffee will not be able to join us um, to do a promo um, and to aid us all in our Christmas shopping for the coffee holics in our family. Um, but Aldea Coffee is available, and it'll be available here at the church office. You can call and contact us, and we'll be happy to get that um, to you this year. Okay? Um, Again, it's really good to see you all here today, and and welcome, and thank you for coming. Let's go before our Lord in prayer. Gracious God, these are truly strange times. It's hard to imagine what it was like when Caesar Augustus issued a decree that caused Joseph and Mary to have to travel to Bethlehem. But in some ways, I can't help but think that Our times feel just as strange as that did to them. As we gather this Sunday morning, we gather because of your grace and your mercy. We gather because you have cared for us and that you have provided resources for us to gather. We pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world, though, who cannot gather this morning, who cannot gather because of political reasons, who are, cannot gather because at this point, given the situation in which they find themselves, they've decided not to meet in order to care well for their people. And so, Lord, the uncertainty of the times that we face remind us of the uncertainty of times that existed when Jesus was born. And that it was in the midst of that uncertainty that Jesus entered the world in human flesh as a baby. And so, Lord, as we anticipate celebrating the coming of the birth of Jesus, help us to appreciate how deeply that his birth in the midst of uncertainty brought certainty and brought hope and brought joy in ways that are difficult to appreciate. And so, Lord, as we we gather with our brothers and sisters this Sunday around the world, those who are worshiping in person, those who are worshiping through live stream, those who are gathered in people's homes. May we together feel, may we together know, may we together be confident of the hope of the gospel which shapes us and transforms us. And even in the midst of our own community, Lord, over the last couple weeks, COVID-19 has begun to touch us in very unique ways. It's touched the lives of people that we know. It's taken the lives of people that we know, and for some, it has meant that they have passed from this life to the next. But for others, it's meant that they've had to isolate themselves and quarantine themselves. 
For others who have come into contact not directly, it's created uncertainty and uncomfortableness and concerns in their own lives. And Lord, I thank you that we are a body that bears one another burden, that we can walk alongside each other, that we can pray for each other, that we can care for each other in ways that demonstrate the reality of your grace and your love and the work of our spirit. And so, Lord, we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Help us to find our hope and our confidence in you and not in the things around us. Help us to be a people that in spite of the challenges, a people whose lives are filled with joy and whose lives are filled with peace and whose lives are filled with hope. And that when people, when people ask us, how? We say, we love because Jesus, you first loved us. And so, Lord, as we hear the preaching of your word on, from Hebrews this morning, as we hear the preaching of your word on the gospel of peace, the peace that was brought to us in the person of Jesus Christ, we pray that you would open our hearts to your message, that would you give us clarity of thought, and that we might wrestle with its implications for our lives, both now and for the future. And so, Lord, we pray for JB as he comes and he brings the word to us. May our hearts be open. May you empower him to speak the words of the Holy Spirit. And may we, as a result of this message, be a changed people. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, Fusion community. Uh, I once again brought my daughter's decorated sermon folder for you if you want to check that out. Uh, feel free to catch me afterward. But it is an absolute joy and a, and a privilege uh, to be back with you this morning. We were here back in September uh, doing a pulpit supply, and I know for Yvonne and I that was a joy uh, to be part of this community, at least for a Sunday. And what an honor it is to, uh, as always, to be able to share God's word this morning. Uh, just, a few, just a few words of introduction. I got a picture of our family uh, to put on the screen. Uh, my wife Yvonne is here with me this morning. Uh, those are our two kids, Emmeline, who's seven years old, and Bryson, who's three years old. That was that November uh, e weekend where it was just incredibly warm. We were at Holland State Park there, so not too far from here. But I wanted to share just, a, just quickly a, a story because our family, we had some really huge excitement this week. Uh, my oldest, Emmeline, uh, Monday comes running into my office after school, which is abnormal. Normally they go home, but they come running into the office and this is the face I see. And if you, do you know what happened? Can you see? She lost her first tooth. And I have to tell you, I was so excited. I, I wasn't anticipating this response, but, but I, I like let out this jubilant scream. I was so excited. Wah! And then I started getting emotional. You know, of all the milestones, I don't know, I started getting emotional because Emmeline had lost her first tooth. And, uh, and then that leads to, um, I want to just begin with a time of confession. You can chuckle a little bit. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> but... But that night where the kids are in bed and Yvonne says to me, do you have a dollar? <laughs> and I say, 
uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I think I have a 10 in my wallet. And I, I'm saying, like, well, let's be real. You know, I got a little Dutch blood in me. We're not giving her a 10 for Tooth Fairy. Um, but so we're searching the house, searching the car, searching the house for a, for a spare dollar. It's COVID, so we don't have cash, right? And so I finally find a, a little bag of quarters. You might know where this is going. It was not my bag of quarters. Uh, the tooth fairy had to borrow money from my daughter to put under her own pillow. I pray she's not watching right now. I told my parents not to show her this video. I, we felt so horrible. That's horrible. That is so horrible that she paid for, anyway, she was just as excited that she got 100 cents and we will pay her back with interest, I promise you. But anyway. That's exciting, that's fun, uh, but what else is exciting, even more exciting than that, is the opportunity to dig into God's Word, amen? amen. We get to study God's Word this morning, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to, to watch last week's service, which, by the way, was beautiful, with a commissioning, Nate, and uh, baptism of little Cooper, I believe. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful to be able to witness that. Uh, and Pastor Aaron mentioned that, that you guys have been returning to Hebrews chapter 1 like an Aurelio's pizza, uh, and I can attest that he's, oh, he's back there. Aurelio's pizza is really good. I worked at a camp in so, the south side of Chicago, but anyway... And last week, you, you remember that, that Jesus is the Son, appointed and anointed Son of God, through whom all was made, and by him all things held together. And, and that's so important. That, that, and this, the rest of this series is kind of following the threefold offices of Jesus. Our catechism, uh, Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 31, really lays it out beautifully. If you have time, read that. Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. And so this morning, we're talking about Jesus as the one and true perfect prophet. And so let's read once again Hebrews chapter 1, just the first four verses. And if you're willing and able, I just invite you to stand as we honor God as he speaks to us this morning. Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. These are the words of the Lord and God's people say together. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Pray with me once again. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how you continue to speak truth to us today by the power of your spirit. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts to hear from you. And in hearing your word, that we might be changed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. A question. What is truth? What is truth, and, and where do we find truth? How do we discern truth from a lie? It's the year 2020. That question is being asked a lot. Think about the year we live and the time and the era we live. We have more access. We have access to far more information just in our pocket, right? 
through this little device. You have access to more information through this little device than other people in any other generation had in their entire lifetime. I mean, think about that. We live in the digital world, the information age, and yet what I think we all can agree on is that having access to all of this information has not necessarily gotten us any closer to truth. Because information does not necessarily equal truth. Several years ago, State Farm, uh, the insurance company, uh, came out with this brilliant, hilarious commercial. They, they do a pretty good job with commercials. Uh, but it was 2012, I believe. And the scene goes like this. There's a woman who approaches a man, an agent, an insurance agent, and he's kind of analyzing a car scene, a wreck or something, and, and, and he's using this phone, and she says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm using the new State Farm app. This is like eight years ago. And she's like, well, I didn't think State Farm had an app. And he says, well, yeah, where'd you hear that? She says, the internet. And he says, and you believed it? And she says, yeah, they can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. And he says, and where'd you hear that? The internet, right? This funny scene. And then, and then the, the kind of the, the, the funniest part is she points over and she says, oh, look, there's my date. I met him on the internet. He's a French model. Do you remember this commercial, any of you? And, and we'll show the picture. This man walks over, kind of frumpy looking man. <laughs> he says, bonjour, you know. The man is clearly not French. He's clearly not a model. And we, ch we chuckle and we laugh. And why do we laugh? Because what she said, that everything on the internet is true, we, we know that it's not true, and that's exactly what the commercial is getting at. We laugh because the internet uh, in the digital world is not designed to be necessarily a purveyor of truth. And right now in the year 2020, what, what, is, what is all the voices on the internet trying to tell us? Because 2020 has been a mess, right? 2020 has been a year filled with problems, and what the internet is filled with is all kinds of voices claiming to know the reason for and the solution to all of the problems that we face. But what is the truth? What is the truth? That's an important question that we're going to hold on to, but this challenge of discerning the truth, it's important to recognize, is, is nothing new. Because deception is as old as sin, right? That was the serpent's strategy in the garden. Did God really say? God has had to speak truth to his people and, and make himself known to his people through history. And the author of Hebrews begins this letter by reminding us of how he did this through the Hebrew prophets. That ver the first words that we read, this is our focus, these first couple sentences. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Now, often when we hear this word prophet... Uh, in, our, in our kind of Western world, immediately many of us, or many in our world, think of someone who's able to foretell future events. I don't know about you, but I, you hear like fortune teller or psychic. For me, it's late 90s infomercial, Miss Cleo. Am I the only one? No, okay, I'm the only one with that one. But it's important to recognize that in the biblical world, a prophet is not primarily someone who tells the future. But a prophet is primarily someone who tells the truth. The biblical prophet is not a fortune teller. The biblical prophet is a truth teller. And that's important. 
And sometimes when the prophet is telling the truth uh, and saying, hey, you need to change your ways or else this is going to happen, and when the people don't change their ways and that thing happens, it seems as though what the, with the words of the prophet comes true. But primarily the prophet is a truth teller. The biblical prophet has a unique relationship with God. Sometimes we read of a divine encounter with the prophet and God, and then the prophet is then called by God to be speak on behalf of God to the people of God. The prophet is called to speak the word of God. That was the role. And because of their unique and special relationship with the Lord, prophets were given insights that were to be shared with God's people. And God would speak to the prophet, and then the prophet would speak to the people, and sometimes the people would speak to the prophet, and God would go back to, or the prophet would go back to God, and we see this exchange and this pattern throughout the Hebrew Bible, what we know as the Old Testament, right? We see it with the patriarchs. You can't tell with all these pictures necessarily, but on the far left, that's Abraham, right? God would speak to Abraham. And often God would speak through messengers or angels to the patriarchs. We have Moses, that center picture, where Moses, where we, at, you know, they would go to Mount Sinai, and they, they camped out at Mount Sinai, and Moses would go up to Mount Sinai. God would share a word with Moses, the Ten Commandments, instructions for building the tabernacle, and Moses would come down and share that word with the people. And you have this exchange between God and his people through the prophet. We see it also with the kings, right? The prophet Nathan speaking truth, hard truth to King David. You have Elisha and, and Elijah, right, speaking truth to the kings. And then finally we have those 15 prophets, prophetical works in our scriptures. The three major prophets, the 12 minor prophets, and we see God speaking to his people through the prophets. When we think about the words of the prophets, what is, what is the message that the prophets give to the people? What we, often, what we most often see is, well, it's truth. Of course, it's truth. But oftentimes it's a hard truth. The prophet gives a hard truth, but also gives glimpses of grace. Let's talk about each of those. Hard truth and glimpses of grace. The prophet gives a message of truth. Oftentimes it's a word of judgment and a call to repentance. Reading the prophets of Scripture can be heavy to digest because most of the time, why is a prophet sent? The prophet is sent to warn the people that their current path, which is a destructive path, is going to lead toward their own destruction. It's a, it's a warning, right? The prophet is calling the people then to repent and turn or else it will not end well. And what do we know about the character of God? He is long-suffering, right? He is patient. He is slow to anger. And so he gives multiple opportunities. But if you, if you read these words of the prophets, oh man, they can be descriptive and they can be quite brutal. In fact, sometimes we, we read these, we're like, this doesn't sound like a loving God. Just an example from Jeremiah 25. The prophet Jeremiah in chapter 25 says, it's time, you're going to be taken to exile. He says these words, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the people of the north and bring my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. You know this story because we were in Daniel just a few weeks ago, right? Declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. Wow! I mean, that just sounds brutal and harsh and ruthless, but what is it? It's a word of truth. 
And we have to understand that in the context of this, God had been warning the people for generations to turn from their current path, which was leading toward destruction and death. And what they were doing was not just dabbling in other gods or idolatry, but the practices that went with that were horrific. And it's not brutal or unloving. In fact, to not say anything, I think, is unloving and more brutal. We see this with our kids, right? Just this past, not this weekend, but the weekend prior, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Yvonne and the kids and I were at one of the local parks in Grand Rapids. We have some good friends who live near the park, so we st we, they were outside, and so we stopped over and we're talking to them. Bryson jumps on this scooter, and he starts heading down the driveway, going toward the road. To say nothing would be unloving. What did we say? No, Bryson! And we yelled at him, called out to him. And what did he do? He started crying because we scared him. We hurt his feelings. But, but that's the loving thing to do. He was headed toward his own destruction. No! And yet, despite the warning that God gave through the prophets, despite his calls to repentance, to change, to, to say your current path is leading toward your destruction, what do we see over and over and over again in the scriptures is that God's people often ignored or dismissed or even worse, came after the prophets. For generations, God tried to help lead his people to faithfulness through the voice of the prophets, but time and time again, God's people got sucked right into the cultural idols of their day. And again, worshiping these other gods, I mean, involved like temple prostitution, in some instances, child sacrifice. I mean, it was nasty, horrific stuff. And the kings and the rulers, what did they do? They, they were thirsty for power and wealth, and so what did they do? To gain that, they, they, they built their empires off the backs of their own people, like learning nothing from, from Egypt, right? The lessons of Egypt. As Paul says in Romans 1, what did they do? They, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. That's the rhythm we see throughout the Old Testament with the Hebrew prophets. And yet, what do we see throughout the scriptures is that God remained faithful to his covenant, even as the people continued to turn their backs on him. And what we see is tucked between the words of this harsh truth, we find these glimpses of grace, right in the prophetical works, right? In the prophets, you read these glimpses of grace, and these are the ones that we know. These are the verses that we know because they're encouraging and they're beautiful. These are the ones we write in our journals and, and put pictures on our walls, and, and rightfully so because these are glimpses of grace. Some examples, Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and following, uh, talking about after Babylon is, is, is done, after those 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you to declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The prophet Isaiah, again speaking after, after exile, comfort, comfort my people. A little later, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. These beautiful words of grace interwoven through the words of truth in the prophets. 
You see, the common thread running through these glimpses of grace is that the prophets point us to, toward the one who is yet to come. They point us toward Jesus Christ, described as the Messiah, yes, the, the anointed one in the line of David. And we're going to learn in the next couple of weeks that he is the priest, the true priest and the true king, right? But we also learn today and we remember today that Jesus Christ is a prophet like Moses. These words from Moses, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like, like me, like Moses, from uh, from among you, from your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. In Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter quotes these same words from Deuteronomy 18 and Acts 3. And then in verse 24 says, Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold of these days. The prophets are speaking and foretelling of the coming Messiah, the true prophet, the prophet it's words of grace centered on the true and perfect prophet, Jesus Christ. Verse 2 of our, of our scripture passage. But in these last days, God had spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is unlike any of the other Hebrew prophets. As we were reminded last week, he's also, of course, the son of God, the anointed Messiah. We're going to learn in the weeks ahead, king and priest. But even as a prophet, Jesus Christ is unique. Think about this. He's not just one who speaks the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's not simply one who speaks the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word of God. The prophets spoke messages from God. Jesus is the message itself. Jesus Christ is the true and perfect prophet. He's not simply God's vessel or instrument, but Jesus is God in flesh. And as I was studying, I couldn't help but be drawn to the gospel of John chapter 1, right? Jesus is the embodiment of God's word on earth. And John beautifully states this reality in his version of the Christmas story, if you will. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word, of course, referring to Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Emmanuel, as we sang about earlier this morning. And then John 14, Jesus reveals even more about himself. Jesus answered in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the truth that offers the way to the life that is both now and forever. He offers what no other prophet could offer to God's people, the fullness of grace and truth, which John speaks of this way. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, the prophets could speak truth and point to grace, but only Jesus Christ could become the full embodiment of both grace and truth. And he became that, that, that was fulfilled in his saving work on the cross, the gospel. Can I get an amen for the gospel? Amen. That's why we're here, right? That's why we're here. And yet even, even for Jesus, 
Just like the prophets of, of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, the true and perfect prophet, the eternal word made flesh, God with flesh and bone, the, the truth walking among the people, Jesus is walking with them. He's eating meals with them. He's teaching them. He's healing and doing all kinds of miraculous signs, revealing God full of grace and truth. And the same thing happens to Jesus that happened to the Hebrew prophets. So many people missed it. So many people missed it. Maybe because they were deceived, maybe because they were distracted, maybe because they were too busy with life, maybe it was because this, this man from Nazareth, their hometown, Luke 4, right, he was rejected in his own town. How could Jesus, son of jo how could Jesus, son of Joseph, be all these things that he claims to be? But they missed it. And they too traded the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. And in trading the truth for the lie, what we, what we know from the gospels is they eventually had Jesus Christ, the word of God, sentenced to death, to hang on a cross and die a brutal death. friends, here, here's the truth for us is that we're in danger of the same. We're in danger of, of, of missing it. We're in danger of, of missing out on Jesus' good word for us today because we live in this digital world and, we, and for us, it's, 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 Jesus might be speaking, but you know what? This, this thing and these other devices and, and there's all these other voices shouting into our lives, trying to tell us what is true, trying to tell us what is our problem, trying to tell us what the solution is to that problem. Do, but do you realize that the digital world that we live in, it's all rigged? It's not designed to give us truth. Brilliant people have come up with algorithms specifically designed for one thing, which is to capture your attention for as long as possible. They want to get us sucked into this device so that they can sell our attention to advertisers and make a buck. That's what they're trying to do. And they'll use whatever method it is to get that. And they will tell us exactly what they think we want to hear in order to get us sucked in. It's not truth. And so, yeah, we, we read about who's, whose fault is the pandemic and who's, whose fault is it? Is it this political party or that political party or this person or that person or this fringe group or that fringe group? And this is how you fix it. But friends, there's only one answer to the truth and there's only one answer to the solution to all these problems that we face and his name is Jesus Christ. I know I can get an amen for that. Do not trade the truth of God for a lie. Do not worship things created by man above the gift that we've been given from the creator, the word of God, the spirit of God who continues to speak to us through this word. Jesus Christ speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. And here's the good news. 
The good news is this, that Jesus Christ, the word of God, is here, and he wants to speak into your life, and he wants to speak into my life. And he wants to tell us this, the hard truth, which is that each and every one of us is a sinner. We, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot save the world. But we need a rescuer. We need a savior. And that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has done all that is required to bring salvation to his people when he hung on a cross and rose again, conquering death and sin and restoring this relationship between us and our heavenly father. This is the gospel and it's available to us. And because of that gospel, Jesus Christ is available and we can listen and we can spend time in the quiet. We need to turn off these stinking things and we need to open up this beautiful thing and listen to the word of God so that what is going in is more from this than this. And in hearing the truth, making sure we're not too busy, not too distracted by the lies and the falsehoods of this world, but instead lean into the truth of God and allow him and his word by the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to teach us and to form us and to lead us in the way everlasting so that we as Christ's church would be the ones leading the way and pointing our world who's desperate for a message of hope, pointing them toward the hope and the only answer to all of our problems, which is Jesus Christ. But we can't do it in our own strength. We must submit to him and allow the spirit to work in our lives. And so I ask you to join me in a word of prayer. And let's ask God to do that work in our lives. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words of scripture which reveal your truth. But most importantly, Lord, this morning on this second Sunday of Advent, we thank you for the eternal word made flesh, Jesus Christ, who broke into this world, who stepped into the brokenness of this world to bring salvation and peace, shalom, wholeness, to restore this world to the ways in which you created it to be. And Lord, in the same way, by the power of the Spirit, Lord Jesus, you step into our brokenness. And so, Lord, right now in this moment, if, if Lord, we're feeling the weight of this, this life, if we're feeling the weight of the pandemic and the uncertainty of life, Lord, speak truth and speak grace and peace into our lives. Lord, if, if your Spirit is convicting us in this moment that boy, I've been listening to a lot of other voices and not spending near enough time in your word. Lord, convict us of that truth with your gracious, loving voice and remind us that life is available. Truth is available because Jesus Christ, the living word, is available to each and every one of us. And so, Spirit, move in our hearts so that we choose the truth and stop choosing the lies. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Fusion community, thank you uh, for having me with you. Again, a, a joy and a pleasure. I just want to say as, as, I, as I share this challenge about devices, um, I share it as one who struggles with it just like the rest of you. And uh, I, I don't know if you've had this experience, but being on the phone and looking, for me it's sports, I just love looking at sports. And anyway, being on my phone and my seven-year-old daughter says, Daddy, get off your phone. I don't know if you've had that experience but that one hits you in the heart because God has such better gifts for us than the things of this world. So don't trade the truth for a lie. As you go from here, receive God's blessing upon you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Oh.
Thank <laughs> you. 